Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining. We have a lot to get to in this episode. I'll be going over the passive income portfolio. It's reached a value of $155,000, about $26,000 in gains. I'll be going over what has led to $11,600 in gains in just the past 30 days. This is a lot of gains in a one-month period. So we'll be reviewing that and really looking at what companies have done well over the past month. We also have some big news to get to. Warner Media, which is owned by AT&T, one of the big dividend payers, just announced really groundbreaking news. They're releasing all of their movies, all 17 of them, direct to streaming and in theaters simultaneously. The same day. They're going to be on HBO Max and they're going to be in theaters. So you can enjoy them either way you want. You can go and have the theater experience or you can enjoy these movies from the comfort of your home in the same time period. This is pretty aggressive news from AT&T. This is not something that they normally do. So what does this mean for HBO Max? Are they going to grow subscribers this way? What does it mean for AT&T? And what does it mean for theaters? One of the viewers wrote an email to me and said, Joseph, does this mean that theaters are going to go extinct? There's an article from CNBC saying your movie theater experience is going extinct. Is that true? We're going to discuss in this episode. Now, of course, before jumping into all of that, be sure to check out the Patreon. There's a link in the description. If you join right now, you get the entire month for free. So the rest of the month is for free. It's cancel anytime. There's no risk to it. You get access to a community discord, exclusive episodes, an online dividend tracker that we're building from the ground up. I've hired developers to work on it. We're actually moving that into a mobile application right now. So it's going to be on iOS and Android pretty soon. But there's a lot of things going on. We have over a thousand members right now. It's a very active community. So if you want to try that out risk-free, there's a link in the description. Okay, let's first jump into the passive income portfolio. This is a public portfolio that I show week by week on this channel. So if you want to see it progress and grow over time, just make sure you're subscribed and you'll be able to see this good or bad. I don't do what a lot of other YouTubers do. A lot of other YouTubers, they only show you their portfolio when things are going well. Things are going great. They'll show it. They'll show all the green. But then when we enter into a recession, when we enter into really down months, all of a sudden they're not uploading as many videos about that portfolio. So we don't do that here. I show this good or bad. I've shown it plenty of times when we're in the red and I'll continue to show it week by week, regardless of the outcome. So this is a public portfolio. It's based off a dividend growth strategy with a few caveats that I've kind of tweaked for myself. If you want to see all the holdings in it, I'm putting a link in the description. You can click on that link and see everything that I'm invested in. Now, first of all, let's do a little update on some of the companies I've been talking about the most over the past few months and see how they're doing. If we filter by the one month view here, we can look at some of these. In consumer companies, Disney's one of the companies I've been the most bullish on. I've made multiple videos talking about Disney and how I think that they're severely undervalued, how I think investors will eventually appreciate their streaming service. If you haven't been keeping track, Disney has been growing their streaming service at an incredible rate. From CNBC, Disney Plus blows past expectations for its first year with 73.7 million subscribers. This is something that doesn't blow past my expectations. I've been saying this for a long time that Disney Plus is going to exceed people's expectations. Investors will realize the value of their streaming service down the road. That seems to have happened with Disney because if we look at the stock price, it's at an all-time high. It's already recovered this year. It's up 3.11% year to date. That's with them shutting down all their parks, all the resorts, not having their same distribution with their movie theaters, and they're up 3% just because of the news with their streaming service. In fact, we can look at the five-year timeline. Disney's at all-time highs. The stock is the highest it's ever been in its history, and this is mostly because of their streaming service. Disney doesn't only have their huge library of content with all the Marvel, Pixar, and Star Wars, but they have The Mandalorian. And if you haven't been watching The Mandalorian, in my opinion, I think you're missing out on some of the best TV that exists right now. I don't want to spoil it, but they have done a phenomenal job with The Mandalorian. 
I look at different TV shows and some of them just have something special. When I saw the buzz about Game of Thrones, I knew that that was going to be an enormous success. The same thing with Breaking Bad, the chatter online and the buzz about it. I see the same thing with The Mandalorian. This show's a huge success. So I think it will continue to draw in a lot of subscribers. Now we got Win Resorts. This is another company that I've been building up over the past couple weeks. I built a $10,000 stake in it and it's recently jumped up like 11%, 12% in just the past two weeks. So the stock has moved already quite a bit, but I'm going to continue to hold it throughout 2021. This one is entirely reliant on the coronavirus. That is the story with Win. If the coronavirus ends, then this is probably going to be a good investment. If the coronavirus drags on for longer than expected, probably not a good investment. So you can judge that for yourself, but that's kind of the story of the stock. Right now, it's already jumped up in price quite a bit. So you could jump in now, but you're not getting it for quite the same deal you were a couple weeks ago. Real estate's also done well in the past 30 days. Store capital's up $2,300. That's 19% just in the past 30 days. This has been one of my favorites. It's my second largest holding, and it's been recovering really well since its March lows. The company continues to recover, and I think that this still has room to grow. But Store Capital's a company that pays me a lot of dividends, as well as I'm getting capital appreciation. So I really like this company. JP Morgan's another company that's one of my favorites. It's my third biggest holding right now. I have about $14,000 worth of it. I've made gains in the past 30 days of $1,400 with it, so 16%. You can see that with the stock price. It's recently jumped up quite a bit, about 25%. Now, year to date, JP Morgan is still in the red, and this company is fine. They're in a good position. They have billions and billions of dollars in reserves for potential loan losses. They're still being a profitable company making money quarter over quarter, and they're not doing share buybacks and they're not increasing their dividends. The company trades at a 15 PE ratio, which is pretty reasonable. It's a little bit higher because they had less earnings this year, but as their earnings grow, that PE ratio is going to come down. Compare that to some of their fintech competitors. PayPal's up 96% this year. Just year-to-date, they're up 96%. PayPal's market cap has almost doubled from $125 billion to $250 billion. So when you're buying PayPal, you're paying twice what you could January. The P.E. ratio is 82 with PayPal right now. Square is up 231% right now. 231%. The P.E. ratio is really absurd. It's like 450. So obviously, they're not trying to monetize as much right now. They'll probably drop that P.E. ratio down quite a bit when they begin to monetize more. But the message is pretty clear. The price you're paying for these fintech companies has raced up dramatically over the past year. If you're paying for them right now, you're paying very expensive valuations. And again, you compare that to JP Morgan, and it's still in the red 14% this year. So you're buying this company for less expensive than you could have had at the beginning of the year. And I actually think that JP Morgan is a better company right now because they continue to launch a lot of new, aggressively competitive products. They've acquired fintech companies, and they're still a profitable company. But I think over the next year, they're going to be extremely profitable. So JP Morgan's another one of these companies that's done really well over the past 30 days, and I think that this will continue into 2021. So there's a little update on some of my top holdings, Store Capital, JP Morgan, Wynn Resorts, and Disney. It's exciting to see these companies do well, because I talk about them a lot. A lot of people on the Discord have invested in them, and to see them doing really well over the past few months is exciting. Now, these are recovery plays. I think they'll continue to do well in 2021, but we'll see how this plays out. Now, another thing I'll mention is that the dividend income is increasing quite dramatically on my portfolio. Last month in November, we received $352 in dividends, which is right there, one of the highest months ever. We'll see how December plays out, but I'm really looking forward to 2021. I can see this dividend income accelerating quite dramatically. In fact, comparing it year over year, you can see the difference. In 2018 in pink, 
2019 in blue, and then 2020 in yellow, a lot of these months in yellow are not even close to last year. So the dividend income is growing year over year quite substantially. If you're just getting started off and it's your first year, looking month to month can be kind of discouraging. Some months it only goes up a little bit, and then some it might go down from the previous month. Look year over year. Just keep aggressively funding your portfolio, buying good companies that offer both capital appreciation and dividends, and you'll see this increase over time. Okay, now let's move on to news. I want to talk about this news because I think it's one of the biggest pieces of business news we've heard all year long, all year in 2020, which is that AT&T, who owns Warner Media, is announcing that all of their movies are going to be on streaming and they're going to be in theaters simultaneously. That is a really bold move. There's a lot of risk associated with it. And I'm so proud of AT&T for doing this. It shows that they're kind of making some changes with their management. They're not so focused on short-term gains. They really want to build up their media properties. They want to build up their subscriber count. Now, the big question I had when I read this is what is the catch for this? Are they just going to include it in HBO Max forever and have all these movies on it? Are they going to charge extra like Disney did with Mulan? You know, what are the details on it? From the Wall Street Journal, they say the strategy covers all 17 movies scheduled for release by the studio next year. So every single movie is included. And it says big budget films such as the science fiction adaption of Dune and a new installment of the Matrix franchise. I didn't know they were making another Matrix, but apparently they're making Matrix 4. That'll be interesting. I think that could be either really, really good or really, really bad, but I guess we'll find out. But here's the kicker. HBO Max will host the movies for only their first month of theatrical release. They're not going to be on HBO Max forever. It's not like Netflix where they just store them on HBO Max forever and ever. These movies are temporary. They're only going to be there one month. And I think it's clear the reason that HBO is doing this. They don't want you to sign up at the end of next year and watch all 17 movies in one month and pay 15 bucks for it. That's not really a good return on their investment. All these movies, all 17 of them, cost about a billion dollars to make. That's how much money they're investing in them. So they need people to get subscribed to HBO Max and continue to subscribe to make it worth it. If everybody just joined for one month at the end of the year and watched all the movies, that'd be a terrible return on their investment. So I think it makes sense of why they're only hosting these movies for the first month. Now, Warner Brothers tried to say that this is just temporary. This is just kind of a test for 2021. This isn't what we're going to do long term. It only applies to 2021. And outside of that, we'll resume our normal schedule. I don't buy it. I don't buy that for a second. I think that this is a test by AT&T. If this proves successful, if it drives millions of people to sign up for their streaming service, I think it will be permanent. The decision follows recent similar moves by studios and cements a new reality in Hollywood. Subscriptions are more important than the box office. That is the bottom line here. AT&T is starting to realize that like Disney, like Netflix, like all these other companies, having recurring revenue monthly is more important than big knockout box office hits. It's just a better business model. And AT&T is finally doing a big push into this. So this has made me more bullish and more optimistic about AT&T. This has been recently a stock that I haven't been too happy about. I haven't liked the decisions management has made. And this is the first decision they've made in a long time that I really appreciate, that I really think is a good decision. Making it so consumers have the choice, I think, always benefits the companies in the end. And I think a lot of consumers are going to pick the streaming service over the box office. I think they'll pick to sign up for HBO Max, and that's going to drive a lot of new subscribers. So I can see this company doing really well in the future. It's dropped down in value so much that it's really at a low valuation. I'm still in the red currently, 
but it's been climbing up recently. I used to be in the red a lot more, and I suspect that over time, I'll climb back in the green with this company. Now, of course, I think this news is really good for HBO Max. I think it's good for AT&T. But what does this mean for movie theaters? What does this mean for the movie theater business? One of the viewers here wrote an email to me a couple days ago. This is from Danny. He says, hi, Joseph. Really enjoy watching your YouTube channel. Always looking forward to each episode. I saw this article from CNBC talking about the movie theater industry. Thought you might find it a bit interesting as you invest heavily in store. I have a very small bit as well, so just curious what you think about this and maybe even talk about it on your show. Keep on doing your thing and looking forward to the next episode. Thanks, Danny. And Danny linked this article from CNBC in his email, which the title of it is Your Movie Theater Experience is Going Extinct. So let me first address this claim that your movie theater experience is going extinct. I don't think so. I don't agree with that, and I think it's way too early to tell. If every single industry that isn't functional right now means that it's going extinct, that means that the entire casino and resort business would be going extinct. That means that cruise lines would be going extinct. That means that airlines would be going extinct and many more industries. I don't think that that's happening. I think for some people, it is an experience to go out to the movies. Not everybody enjoys that, but some people do. So I think that we'll have to wait and see. Once the coronavirus is completely gone, completely dealt with, how many people are going to go to Cinemark and AMC? That remains to be seen, but I definitely don't think it's going to be extinct. Now, the other question that you asked, Danny, is what does this mean for store capital? Store capital is exposed to the movie theater business. I'll put up on the screen here all the different industries that store capital is diversified in. They have over 2,000 properties and only 37 of them are movie theaters. So only a small portion. The total rent of movie theaters for store capital is 3.9%. So if every single movie theater went bankrupt, if all of them ceased to exist and went extinct, store capital would suffer a 3.9% rent loss. That's pretty bad, but that's not destructive. That's not going to ruin their company. They're still heavily diversified into lots of different sectors that are doing well right now. Now, I don't think that that worst case is going to happen. I think at the very least, the movie theaters will probably be able to pay partial rent or reduced rent, and it might go down to 2%, so they might lose a couple percentage of rent, but I think it will be very minimal. So I'm not too worried about store capital in the future. So even though I think we'll have theaters in the future, I do not plan on investing in theater companies. Companies like Cinemark, companies like AMC, I think these are incredibly risky investments. They're really close to bankruptcy. So these companies are in very distressed situations. I don't really want to be a shareholder of them. I think there's better recovery plays, and I've outlined many of them on this show. Okay, moving on, let's get to some emails and questions. The first question I'll respond to is an email that Anonymous sent in. Hello, Joseph Carlson. I've been an avid viewer and listener of your podcast and YouTube for some time. You give extremely insightful and easy-to-learn platforms for people like myself. I wanted to get your thoughts on investing while under student debt and loans. I and many other students have large sums of debt or loans. Do you think people should be investing while under debt? I can go into more detail of how much I'm in debt as well as how much I intend on investing. Looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, well, I've been asked this question so many times that I've been able to think about it a lot. I've been able to ponder this question of investing while in debt many, many times. And I've kind of thought of different things every time I think of this. But at the end of the day, I do think it's worth investing some of your money, even if you're paying down loans, even if you're paying down debt, whether it's mortgage debt, auto debt, student loans, credit card debt, I think you need to be investing the entire time just on a routine basis. You can turn your investments down so they're just a little bit of money every couple weeks, but I still think it's good to keep that going in the background. 
The more people delay investing over and over and over again into the future, I think they just fall behind. You never really gain assets. You never get into the game. You never get ahead in life doing that. So paying down debt is important. I'm not saying to stiff your lenders and not pay them down and not focus on debt, but I think you need to pay your debt while also investing a little bit of money. Make sure you're paying a good amount of your debt every single month and you're making progress on that, but I would try to invest at the same time. Another reason that I recommend investing while paying down debt is simply because debt is just not fun. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think it's fun. It's a big number with interest that you have to pay down every month. When you're finally done with it, it's a huge burden relieved. You feel completely free. That's why Dave Ramsey has his debt-free scream. By the end of paying down all that debt, you just want to scream in excitement because you're finally done with that ordeal. That's how bad paying down debt is. It's not a fun thing. Investing, on the other hand, I think is very fun and extremely rewarding. You're buying these exciting companies. They're making money for you. They're giving you returns. You're building up wealth. You're building up your assets. You're building up a portfolio of different companies that are all working for you in different ways. I just think it's so much more of a rewarding thing to invest in paying down debt. So the longer you delay investing, I think the less excitement you're going to have in your financial life. If you start investing now and you get more excited about it, I think that gives you overall motivation for your finances. It's just a lot more fun thing to do. So in my opinion, pay back your lenders, make sure you're at least making your normal payments on your loans, but also invest a little bit of money. Get that started, get the ball rolling as well. I think the best solution is to do a mix of it. Victor says, question, thank you for this new video. Always a pleasure when I get the notification. I was wondering, do you plan to buy bonds again when you'll get closer to retirement? Keep going. Well, Victor, I appreciate the very positive comment there and the compliments. Um, In terms of buying bonds closer to retirement, I'm never going to rule it out. If we get close to retirement here, uh, I could buy bonds again. So I'll just have to see how they're trading at and if I think they're an attractive investment at that time. Right now, I don't find them attractive at the current risk reward. The interest rates are very low right now. If interest rates go up, that creates a big risk for bonds. As well as we have inflation coming, we have money printing, we have things that are going to make the current rate of bonds, I think, less attractive in the future. They're just not that interesting in terms of risk reward. I like owning companies right now better. If you have a small portion of your portfolio in bonds, that might not be such a bad thing. But as of right now, I don't find them interesting, but I'm definitely not going to rule them out in the future. If interest rates come up or people sell out of bonds and they offer higher yield, I might jump into them. So we'll see what the future holds. Martin says, quote, a small stake, and here I am trying to build up at least $2,000 positions. He's referring to when I said that when was a small stake in my portfolio, which it was a $10,000 holding. That is true that it is a lot of money. $10,000 is a lot of money. I know a lot of people are building up $2,000 positions, but we're all at different levels. There's some people on the Discord that have the same positions as me, but each one of them is like fifty dollars or $60,000. So I'm building up like eight or $10,000 stakes and they're building up 50, 60, sometimes even 90 or $100,000 positions in the same company. They're just further ahead. I have a lot of work to do to catch up to some of the people on my own discord. And it's the same thing. We all start from different places. We're all on the same track, but we're, we're in different parts of it. I think five years down the road, you're going to be building up $20,000 positions, not $2,000. So give it time. A few years down the road, you'll build up your portfolio and $2,000 will be how much money you're getting in dividends every month. You know, this will be a whole different situation. The investments build up aggressively if it's your focus. If you're contributing every single month, if you're budgeting and you're working really hard to build up your investments, they're going to build up really quickly. So just keep working at it. 
Arkham says, Joseph, I'm totally shocked. I might pass on win because I'm not into anything related to casino or gambling. Overall, great content as always. Keep up the good work. First of all, Arkham, it's fine if people don't invest in the same stuff as me. I show my portfolio. I show what investments I'm making. And most of the time, I don't want people to follow me into every single investment I'm making. That puts a lot of pressure. I try to make good investments, but not all of them are going to work out. I can't see the future, so I'm doing my best to try to invest in good companies, but not all of these are going to be winners. So it's fine that you don't invest and win. And in terms of the casinos and gambling, I don't like when people go and waste their entire life savings gambling or going to the casinos, and they're helplessly addicted to it, and it's a damaging thing to their life. That's not the experience that I want to cause other people to have. I think that win from the research that I've done, attracts very high earners. These are people that are in the top 10%, the top 5% of earners. They're very affluent people. The rooms at Wynn are very expensive. You know, it's kind of an upscale place to stay. So most of the people going to these resorts and casinos, they're gambling out of entertainment. This is an entertainment for wealthy, affluent people to do. They spend some of their money. They gamble a little bit. So I think that's a little bit different than your average casino that targets low-income people that gamble to try to get riches. I think most of the people staying at Wynn see gambling more of an entertainment thing than a monetary gain thing. Okay, now with that question, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode there. I appreciate all of you for tuning in. If you don't know, this show is on every podcast service, every episode for free. So if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you search The Joseph Carlson Show, it's going to show up there and you can subscribe for free. So I appreciate all of you guys for listening. I'll see you next time.